What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you're following EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. We've had a ton of new followers over the last couple of days. We've gained more than 100 followers over on that page. I really appreciate you guys checking it out. Keeping up to date with all of our new work, whether it be these podcasts, the It's Gone podcast with Britton Allen that we also recently launched. I think we've had six episodes now of It's Gone. Uh, Britton's doing a fantastic job. He is definitely worthy of a sub over on the podcast side and a follow over on Twitter at Britton Allen. You guys need to be listening to that show. That is one of the best fantasy baseball podcasts out there. I know it is a brand new one, but it is still one of the best. Britton is truly one of the most knowledgeable people in the space and he is severely underfollowed over on Twitter so please do go check him out you get those podcast links you get different articles you get different news and notes we are planning daily pickup articles we are also planning buy low and sell highs we're planning closer reports we're going to have weather reports so much stuff is going to be available for you guys if you want to just check it out all on our Twitter feed like I said at ethos fantasy bb and on tw- and on the website at sportsethos.com. I know I've probably driven you guys absolutely crazy saying that over and over again for the last several months, but it's just because I wanted you guys to all be absorbing the great content that all of our writers have been working on throughout the off season and will carry over now into the regular season. If you guys enjoyed what we saw in the draft guide, it is going to be more of the same going forward for the next what is it 6 months the baseball season goes 6 7 months. It's just going to be a long cycle of content, so I hope you guys are on for the ride. And if you're here, then you're already a part of part of this ride, so I definitely appreciate you guys hitting the play button on this episode, and if you've listened to any of the other episodes we've done this offseason, all that support does mean a lot. But today, we are going to be continuing looking back on opening day. I don't know why the schedule is the way that it is. It's so stupid. We had 15 games yesterday, and today is Five or is it four or five games today? I feel like it's five. Let me just double check that real quick. Uh, one, two, three, four, five games today. Not starting until six forty p.m. Eastern time. I, I don't understand it. I I will never understand it. And it feels like they do this kind of regularly. I'm not looking at previous year's schedules here, but it feels like they'll do this. And it's not just a baseball thing. They'll have a bunch of games on one day, and it's kind of reminiscent of what the NBA will do sometimes. You'll have 15 games one day, and then two games the next day, and then 13, and then four. And it's just like, why does it need to be balanced out like this? I know it's eventually going to be corrected, and we'll have most days like 13, 15 baseball games. Most of the time, you'll see 15 games a day. But why do they need to kill the momentum that they just had going into the season by having only five games today? It's... I don't know. It gives us more time to look back on yesterday, I suppose, and we're not rushing into you know the evening games and the day games because there were no day games today. Uh, you know, big brain move there by MLB, but it gives us time to look back on what happened yesterday. Something that I didn't mention yesterday, I had saw it before I started recording the show, but it it found its way off of the show sheet somehow. I just forgot to mention it, and my apologies there. But I'm pretty sure you guys all would have heard it. It's one of the biggest pieces of news that we got yesterday. And it happened outside of all the games. And that's Justin Verlander going on the IL with a low-grade Terrace Major strain. I got to be honest, I don't know exactly what the Terrace Major is. I am very far from being a doctor. But Justin Verlander is going to be on the shelf for at least 15 days now. Obviously, this is something that sucks if you drafted him. I don't have any Verlander shares this year. I was a little cautious. Eh, New team, his age. I know he's Justin Verlander. And I said this multiple times throughout the offseason. 
Verlander and Scherzer, when they're out there telling you they're good to go, even though they're they can be 50, 60 years old, it doesn't matter. You got to trust them because they know themselves and they are the two best pitchers throwing Clayton Kershaw of, of this generation. They are the best. But when there's an injury that comes in, that's a huge wild card. And now we have no idea because, you know, if Justin Verlander's telling you he's good, then he's good. But this is clearly a situation where Justin Verlander went to the team, I think, and told them what was going on. Maybe it just, I don't know. He, he would have wanted to get out there on opening day. It was It's potentially his last opening day. I know he signed a two-year deal. But this must be more serious than we might hope. And there's the other way of looking at it where maybe it's not serious and they just want to take the extra precautionary route. But I think Justin Verlander wants to be out there as much as possible. He's always demonstrated that throughout his career. I think if he's sitting out, then it is because it's a relatively serious injury. 15-day IL. We'll have to reevaluate. We'll have to see what happens in 13, 14 days from now. If it looks like he'll be activated, then maybe we just missed two starts and it's not the end of the world. But right now, David Peterson is your guy. He probably was somebody that you should have been adding up already. But if you hadn't, then his position just became even more solidified here in this rotation. When Quintana went down, when Jose Quintana went down, uh, he was already told at that point that he was going to be given a spot. Jose Quintana also on the 15-day IL. Now, he is going to be starting up a rehab assignment. They announced that today. Uh, Did he have broken ribs? Or I forget what it was. If it was... <clears throat> yeah, it was a stress fracture in a rib uh, that he had in July. He's still recovering from the surgery there. But he's going to start rehab, I think, today. Maybe we'll see him over the next couple of weeks. I'm not a big Jose Quintana fan anyway. <clears throat> but certainly there is room right now. Again, I'll say forgive my cough because it does come here and there. I always seem to have a cough going back several months now, so apologies there. But David Peterson... Uh, is definitely the guy that you should be adding. I think that he was already worthy of an ad, and I hope you guys added him in as a streamer tonight because it's something that I, I did mention over on Twitter, and we've talked about David Peterson a little bit here and there throughout the offseason, but when you look at the fact that he is only on 52% of rosters in Yahoo leagues, like 10 12% in ESPN leagues, the data's kind of fuzzy there because I'm not playing in ESPN leagues anymore. I think I'm going to join up into one just so I have ready access to the roster percentages, but roughly, you know, Fantasy Pros does their best to keep up with that, but I think they update it once a day. As of this morning, 10% rostered on ESPN, 52 over on Yahoo. He's actually 42 earlier in the day, and I play a lot on Yahoo, so I just was able to manually check up to 52. And since I started recording, that honestly might have even gone up a little bit. Let's see. You know, it's still 52%. So if you're, you know, you'll be listening to this right when the game is starting, or it might have even started. <clears throat> but David Peterson is somebody who, even not even just for this start, but I think even going forward, you can make an argument that he is maybe not a must-roster player, but I think there's a lot of situations where you're, you're going to be wanting to use David Peterson in 12-team leagues. Tonight is obviously a situation like that on the road against a fairly poor team in Miami. Take a look at David Peterson. He is somebody where, just looking back at what he did last year on the road, 325 ERA and a 31.4% strikeout rate. Over the course of the whole season, he had a 383 ERA. All of the pitching indicators were under four. We'd love to see that. XERA, FIP, XFIP, and Sierra, they were all below four. Definitely a good sign there. And the strikeouts are going to be there. The only problem with David Peterson is really the walk rate, and I think you'll take that when you're looking at all the other factors. Good team, good matchup, good ballpark, and everything else that goes along with it. He is a must-stream for today. And I know it sounds ridiculous, second day of the year, but if you're streaming somebody in today, like David Peterson is the number one option. He is somebody where even if you're just streaming him for today, there's a decent chance he'll stay on your team. For a lot longer than that, you could see him, you know, as much as a couple months or maybe even the entire season. If they're dealing with stuff with Quintana, maybe they don't feel great about him. You know, maybe Verlander and Scherzer have to miss some starts this year. Verlander's already going to have to miss a couple. 
and we'll see how that goes throughout the season. Scherzer last year missed more innings than he'd ever missed before. I think he pitched 153, 155, but he's been like a 200-inning guy pretty much every season. So we'll see if he starts to break down a little bit more. There's definitely room for David Peterson to make a few starts. At the very minimum, he'll make a few starts, and he should be able to give you great strikeout numbers with a potential for a win every time he goes out there. I'm a big fan. He is somebody that I'm adding. If you're looking for like a backup, and we're going to talk about him a, a little bit more as well, because we're going to do a couple of weekend streamers. Uh, that was something we did a lot last year. We're going to take a look at it again today and throughout this season. Every Friday, we'll take a look at some weekend streamers. But Tyler McGill, you know, he gets the matchup on, this will be Sunday. I, uh, let me just double, yeah. Uh, or is it tomorrow where he's starting, Tyler McGill? Uh, no, it's actually tomorrow. Excuse me. Tomorrow, Tyler McGill will be starting in the afternoon against Edward Cabrera. That's one I'm going to be watching, two of my guys there. Uh, I've been a big McGill fan. I know that he has struggled with walks, specifically in the preseason and the in spring training. He was walking a lot of batters. I think he had more walks than innings pitched. Not something you want to see, but I think when you look at Tyler McGill and you look at the skill set, the upside that is there, I- I'm taking a chance on him. With For a lot of the same reasons I said with um, David Peterson, there's some uncertainty with health in that Mets rotation, and McGill, I think he's certainly going to be a, a reasonable streamer against the Marlins here with the potential for even more throughout the season, right? If they do have struggles, I'll, you know, I'm not expecting it, but that's an old rotation, right? We know you mentioned Carlos Carrasco, who's like 35 years old, and Senga, who we don't know exactly how his body's going to adapt to the American game. I don't I think he'll be fine, but there's a lot of question marks in general. And, you know, Peterson for sure, and Tyler McGill as kind of a backup option there if you're looking to have some, you know, exposure to a very good team, you're going to get a lot of wins. You're going to get very good strikeouts from both of those guys. McGill, when he's been on and healthy throughout his career, it's not a big sample size, but even just to start off last season, Tyler McGill was, like, amazing his first couple starts of the year. It fell off. He got hurt, and it ended up, if you look back at his numbers at the end of the season, they were bad. They were not good. He was 4-2 and two over nine starts with a 5.13 ERA. His FIP was 377. His ex-FIP was 335. Still giving you solid strikeout numbers at 25% with a pretty low walk rate as well. And I think the strikeout rate can even go up higher than that. And, you know, he struggled with his control in the preseason. I am hoping that he is able to just figure that out, uh, you know, settle the nerves and what have you, and he is able to give you what we should be able to see out of him. Like we have saw even in 2021 over smaller sample size, 18 starts, he wasn't perfect. But he has shown flashes that he can be a very, very effective Major League starter. So Tyler McGill and David Peterson are definitely on your radar. McGill is somebody that I'm going to highlight a little later on as well. Uh, I don't need to go into depth. I'll just mention his name again when we're talking about streamers to take a look at for this weekend. But that's a situation that we should definitely be monitoring. It all comes back really to Justin Verlander and his Jose Quintana to a lesser extent. But we have to... We have to see what goes on with Verlander now because this hopefully is not going to be the start of a long season worth of injuries. Hopefully this is a minimum stay on the IL and he is able to come back in two weeks, maybe missing two starts. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned here. Anything to do with the arm, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Terrace Major, I don't know. I think this might have been the same thing um, that Tristan McKenzie went down with. I could be wrong. Let me just take a quick look, and I, we should probably mention Tristan McKenzie as well. Um, I just want to see if it is the same exact thing, because I feel like it is. Yeah, it is the Terrace Major strain. These guys both went down at the same time. Now, Tristan McKenzie, I was already down on Tristan McKenzie to start the season. Now it's I, – I really don't know how to feel about him. Like, he is going to miss at least the first couple of – well, he's on the 15th day IL, first of all. 
but they said he is going to miss close to two months after being diagnosed with this earlier. Now, that worries me a little bit for McKenzie, not so much because I'm not invested, but for Verlander too, like the potential for maybe this injury is not a minimum stay on the IL. Obviously, I'm sure there's different severities to this particular injury. Not something that gives me that warm and fuzzy feeling regarding either. But McKenzie, I was already down on. I already had him in the 40s of my pitcher rankings. Excuse me. At this point, I don't even think he's a top 100 pitcher. I'm like, I'm very, maybe. Uh, He's a maybe top 100 pitcher at this point. I think you put him on the IL if you have IL spots. I think a lot of people are going to be dropping him, though, if you're talking uh, leagues without IL spots, NFBC kind of leagues. I don't know that he's going to cut it. I really don't. I didn't know he was going to cut it before. Like, the strikeout rate is not that good. He kind of relies on those ratios, which are – you never really know, especially for a guy who's not a major strikeout pitcher. The strikeout rate – we thought he was going to be more of a strikeout pitcher, but at this point he's probably about an average K pitcher, pitching for a pretty good team whose ratios are are generally very good, especially the whip, but – he outperformed his pitching metrics by quite a bit last year. I haven't been a big fan, really, of Tristan McKenzie's. That K rate going down, I think the velocity's ticked down a little bit as well. And this injury, like, you put him on the IL, sure, because you probably drafted him fairly high up. You used the top 100 draft pick on him almost certainly. I wouldn't necessarily drop him yet, but I wouldn't be, you know, if you get a bunch of injuries over the next couple of weeks and you're seeing guys who are going to just be out for a week or two, you know, maybe even up to a month, I'd definitely prioritize them, you know, in a vacuum over Tristan McKenzie because at this point, I don't know that we're going to see much out of him. He's going to have to come back and ramp up again, and maybe we see him in June, and hopefully it's, you know, problems taken care of and he's able to get into a groove. There's a lot that needs to go right at this point for Tristan McKenzie to really be able to give you a great fantasy season, and it's not going to happen. It's just the lack of strikeouts are just going to really hold him back from giving you that kind of production even over a small period of time. So, I think where you don't have IL spots, it it honestly does make sense to drop him in a lot of cases. If you're in the deepest of leagues, maybe not. If you're in like a 15-team league, very deep roster sizes, maybe you don't. But I'm not really thrilled at the prospects of Tristan McKenzie for this season. Uh, it's it, it's going to be tricky. And there's going to be some guys who you can, you can obviously fill in on the waiver wire. You know, we just mentioned David Peterson as a very solid option. There's a couple more we're going to talk about later, <clears throat> even in terms of streaming, that I think could be, you know, proper replacements but Tristan McKenzie man that that's not looking good uh we'll talk about one more piece of news and then I'll go over some of the higher performing players from yesterday this is Daniel Bard and this one is also not good obviously from a human element and also from the fantasy baseball side of things so it's anxiety uh, Daniel Bard is saying that he has anxiety and not just I shouldn't phrase it like that he he has anxiety he is going to miss 15 days at minimum here on the IL now, we saw this in the World Baseball Classic. He was all over the place. He ended up hitting uh, Jose Altuve and injuring him because his control was not there yet. It's unfortunate. It, it really is unfortunate. I was already down on Daniel Bard. I thought that what we were going to expect from him this year was probably a lot more than what we were actually going to see. He was he was brilliant last year. You know, he was, he like I mentioned it uh, a couple days ago, I was on the Palazzo podcast with our friend Michael Govier. He did a live show. Um and we were talking about this, about how Daniel Bard had 34 saves for a team that won 68 games last year. You know, he gave you a 179 ERA when that's generally not been who he is at all. He's pitching in a horrible ballpark. Last year, he was able to not allow any home runs there, pretty much. Uh, 0.45 homers per nine. But it, w- it was a miracle. It was a best-case scenario for Daniel Bard to do that. 
now coming out of the gate with this kind of problem, it, you know, I don't like to do this second day of the year, first day of the year kind of thing. But Daniel Bard is a drop. Uh, Daniel Bard is somebody that I would be very comfortable dropping wherever. You can pick up different closers who are still available in these 12-team leagues. You know, Carlos Estevez is available in a lot of leagues. He is somebody where you should definitely be taking a look. Uh, Did he get the save yesterday, Carlos Estevez? He No, I don't think he did, actually. No, they lost, didn't they? They lost the game. Two to one because I, I saw something somebody talk about him on Twitter and I didn't actually check that one out but he didn't but he should be somebody where there will be a good amount of saves available to him I think he will be the guy that they generally turn to Ronaldo Lopez he got the save in the season opener for Chicago he's somebody to take a look at Danny Jimenez got a save for the A's uh, Scott I think it's McGuff Mag- I think it's M C G O U G H Mago McGuff I think it is McGuff. Um, he is also somebody to take a look at. He had a save uh, in the last game they played in spring, or maybe the second last game. But he is a, a certain candidate there over in Arizona for saves. Michael Fulmer is another one in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, if you're talking 15 team leagues, you know, NFBC kind of leagues, these closers are not going to be available. But in your 10 and 12 team leagues where you drafted Daniel Bard, there is replacement level value that is available to you. I think Ronaldo Lopez might be the guy that I go with. I, I was kind of putting my eggs in the Kendall Graveman basket before the season, but they went with Lopez here on opening day. We'll see if that sticks. I would pick up Lopez over Bard. I'd pick up Danny Jimenez over Bard. I'd pick up McGuff. I'd pick up Michael Fulmer. Um, there's a bunch of guys. Um, you know, Dylan Floro, I would argue, maybe. Even though his role is not secured, I, I might go with Dylan Floro there just for the hope that he will have um, the Marlins closer role. I don't know that he will, but I think that he is fairly likely to have it. And there's not the same level of concern I have with Bard about, first of all, will he even pitch again this year? Because when it is a mental health issue like that, and it's not to be taken lightly, <clears throat> you know, it could be a few weeks. It could be a few months. It could be the whole year. At this point, I don't really want to hold on. Daniel Bard is not somebody where there is that high enough of a skill level where I'm like, okay, I'm holding him regardless. We'll, we'll, we'll work through my team and we'll, We'll do what we can while he's out, and we'll hope that he's back soon enough. I don't think that he is nearly good enough to hold through what could be a long ordeal. Like this, uh, realistically, uh, there is there is no <clears throat> proper timetable you can put on it, right? 15-day <clears throat> IL, hopefully he's just there for the minimum stay, but if they extended him and you know, he was out long-term, then it, it wouldn't really surprise me. So I, I'm dropping Daniel Bard. That is That is a big thing for me that I just don't see – much of a path for him to having value this season. In terms of like a closer for Colorado, I don't really think there is one at the moment. Like we mentioned some options to think about picking up. <clears throat> there will not be an option in Colorado at the moment. Denilson Lamette, Pierce Johnson, Brad Hand, and Justin Lawrence are all listed in, according to a roster resource on Fangraphs, as the closer or part-time closer. Let's just see how it shakes out. Let's just see... First of all, if there is somebody that they go to regularly, and if there is somebody that they go to regularly, if they can be relied upon, they might go to Lamette once, and then they might go to Brad Hand when it's a bunch of uh, left-handed batters in the ninth inning. I have no idea what they're planning. Let's just see how it shakes out before we think to add anybody, because right now there is nobody in this rotation or in this uh, bullpen, I should say, that really is going to be worthy of an add. Let's talk about some notes, though, from yesterday. Those are kind of the big pieces of information, mostly regarding injuries there. Um, But I I do want to talk about some notes that I made regarding some batters. Because I did talk a lot about pitchers. I talked about pitchers on the show yesterday mostly. 
Uh, that was kind of what we were doing yesterday. And the, I kind of have to apologize because of the way that, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that the show worked yesterday. And also, again, I'll apologize for my cough because it is not a good day for my throat. It's, it's very hit and miss. Some days it's very good. I do need to go see a doctor again. Um, but yesterday it was kind of hard to figure out a timing to record for me. I was trying to watch a little bit of baseball. I was dealing with school stuff. I was dealing with some personal stuff as well, uh, with regarding family. So there was just a lot going on and I had to record kind of at an inopportune time in the middle of games when there was still some going on, a couple had finished and there were still some games that had not even started yet. So I apologize for that going forward. I'm going to try and get the shows out either before the games have started or after the games have started. So there's not kind of like a. You know, I'm talking about a guy after he's thrown five solid innings and, you know, then he gets shit on in the sixth. I don't want things like that to happen. Uh, so apologies for that for yesterday. But I do want to transition here now into the review part where we look at some of the best performing players, some quick hits that I have yesterday regarding some guys to take a, to keep an eye on here regarding position players. Because yesterday's show and even the start of today's show, uh, pretty pitcher-centric. So let's talk about some position players yesterday who had a big impact. Brandon Donovan, I talked about him the day before opening day. I talked about him yesterday, and we'll talk about him again today. He went three for six out of the leadoff spot, <clears throat> hit a home run, two RBIs, and three runs scored. I think he's going to lead off with the Cardinals pretty regularly against right-handed pitching. Maybe they go to Newt Bar sometimes. Maybe eventually Jordan Walker works his way up that lineup. But Brandon Donovan, with his high on-base skills, with the potential that we've seen now for even more power, I really am interested in adding him up. Like he is somebody where you can play him literally everywhere. Uh, his eligibility on Yahoo, he is eligible first, second, third, short, outfield. Like that is, and I think it's second, third, and outfield on ESPN. Regardless, you're getting him everywhere. You can plug him in either as a bench piece where you're just, you know, using him in a daily changes league when somebody, one of your regulars has a day off and you stick Brandon Donovan in there because he can literally go anywhere besides the backstop, which you know, well, you'll you'll take it. <laughs> you know, I, we'd love him to have catcher eligibility as well, but we'll obviously take that. I think even if he doesn't lead off, we're still going to see strong value in that lineup, even if he gets moved down to five or six, or even hell, if he's batting ninth. I, I honestly don't really care at this point, considering the eligibility, considering the fact that his power seems to have really broken out. I think it was uh, Alex Fast, who was here on the show last week or the week before. No, I think it was last week. His max exit velocity yesterday, I think, was 107, 108. I think for his home run and his previous high maximum exit velocity from last year was like 105. So he's hitting the ball three miles an hour harder than he did all of last year already on opening day. And he hit a bomb, you know, that lineup position in that lineup, given what he's capable of doing with all the eligibility, you know, I had to fight some people off the other day when I said to go add him on Twitter, you're stupid. Why would you add a guy with no power and no speed? Well, there are so many reasons to go and add Brandon Donovan right now. It's a question of why you shouldn't be adding him at this point as, of, as opposed to why you should add him. Uh, there's so many reasons to go ahead and hit the add button on him wherever you're playing. Uh, fab bids this weekend will be kind of interesting. I had a question regarding Fab. I'm not a big Fab expert. I think he's going to go for somewhere. Um, I What I said earlier is probably in the 100 to 150 range. We had to kind of see what he does over the next couple of days, though, because if he keeps hitting bombs, if he keeps you know getting on base – Maybe we push that up a little bit. But right now, I think generally, if you're bidding for on Brandon Donovan, I think generally he's going to go for about 100 and 150 bucks. And, you know, considering everything I laid out there, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Let's talk about CJ Crone. Two home runs on the road, going four for five with five RBIs and two runs. He's typically horrible away from Coors Field, almost to the point of being unplayable. This is a very good sign. We have to see if we can, you know, if this happens going forward. This is a reason why we try not to make too many big decisions on opening day regarding anything 
uh, try not to have your opinion change too much. Vlad Sedler sent out a tweet earlier saying, here's how my rankings have changed based on opening day. And it was just a bunch of dots because nothing changes based on opening day, really. Obviously, Daniel Bard, something like that, yes, you can adjust. But for something like C.J. Crone, a couple homers on the road, we don't really know if that's going to be a thing that goes on the whole year, if that's going to be something where it's just a lucky couple of dingers. He had a couple of pitches that he liked, and he took them for a ride. Hopefully, he can do that all season on the road. As of right now, I'm still at the stance of you know daily changes leagues, weekly changes leagues. You're better off just starting C.J. Crone when he's at Coors Field. And that goes for most Rockies. But C.J. Crone in particular has been pretty bad away from Coors Field. If you have a whole week, and I think... I think for the most part, like second half of the year, their schedule is going to be pretty binary. Either it's going to be a whole week at home or a whole week on the road. It'll be a lot easier to decide in weekly changes, in daily changes. I think it makes a lot of sense to have Crone and even a guy like Brendan Donovan. Hell, you put Crone in when they're playing at home and you put in a guy like Donovan when they're on the road. Uh, any any guy like that who has a couple of positions of eligibility who can be slaughtered in a first base makes a lot of sense to roster if you do have a guy like C.J. Crone. Because even though this went well... And hell, maybe it continues to go well on the road for C.J. Crone, and I look like a fool. I'm hoping that's the case because I want him to be able to be a fantasy asset wherever he's playing. I don't want to have to think about, okay, I get 81 C.J. Crone games. I want 162. Okay, you're not getting 162 at anybody probably, but you guys know my point. I want to be able to use him everywhere. So this is a very good sign. Obviously, it's too soon to tell, uh, but something to monitor very closely is if C.J. Crone can start to hit a little bit better away from Coors Field that would just bump him up even farther. And that's why I was kind of a little bit down on him this offseason because I didn't really trust him away from home. But this might be something that changes our tune on that a little bit. James Outman, two for three with a home run, two RBIs and three runs scored. For me, he's a watch list guy right now in your standard 12-team leagues. I like James Outman. I think that there's a potential there for good power, decent speed, but I'm not quite there yet. You know, he's, his roster percentage jumped from 23 up to 39%. But I think as of right now, we have to taper our expectations just a little bit. You know, rookie, bottom of the order. Lineup's good. Maybe he moves up. But as of right now, he's a watch list. He's not somebody I'd be dropping one of your established outfielders for. Like we're talking most of the, you know, based on the polling I did the other day, I talked about a little bit, just trying to gauge everybody's preferred settings and preferences. Most of you are in 12-team leagues. Most of you have about 36 to 40 outfielders that are rostered in those leagues. Maybe call it 45 if people are really stacking on the benches and utility spots. I don't know if James Outman is really going to be one of the top 35 or 40 outfielders. He's not. At this point, he's not. He is somebody to watch list. Keep an eye on him for sure. Deeper leagues, you know, I have a share of him in a, in a draft champions where you draft 50 rounds at the beginning of the season. You kind of have to speculate later on for playing time, who's going to be valuable later in the year. James Outman, I, I picked him in the draft champions format. I'm happy with that, but that's a 15-team league where there's 750 players rostered. It's a lot different than what I think a lot of you guys are generally playing, which is about 250 to 300 players rostered. So he is a watch lister for now. Definitely keep a close eye if he's able to move up that lineup at all. Or if he's able to just continue producing, that would be something that would make me very interested. But right now, let's just wait and see. Yes, Manny Grandal also had a home run. He's more of an option in two catcher leagues. People are very, very down on Grandal after being a pretty solid fantasy asset for many years. He is now at the point of being 20% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Granted, they are one catcher leagues for the most part. I can understand not jumping at him and grabbing him. I think it was like 17 18%. So some people did go and add him. I can understand not wanting to, you know, drop everything and, you know, drop Dre T. Real Muto for him, obviously. Like, that's not something you're going to want to be doing. But I think there is room for him either. Like, first of all, two catcher leagues, absolutely. If you're in a one catcher, 12-team league, he's 
borderline, I think he was my 13th, 14th catcher when all was said and done. But I think there is room for him either in a utility spot or even as a bench spot on one of those leagues to carry uh, when, when your regular catcher is sitting, perhaps. Like, he's somebody where he's, he's right on the cusp of being, like, a, a one-catcher, 12-team league guy for me. And I know that's his probably – I might be the highest person in the industry on Yasmany Grandal. <clears throat> a lot of people had him ranked as, like, a, you know, late 20s, early 30s kind of catcher. I had him ranked just inside the top 15. Uh, you know, he's one year moved from doing great things. He got off to a great start. And I'm hoping he's able to carry that forth. If he is able to keep doing this, you know, batting hopefully a little bit higher than seventh going forward. Hopefully we see him four, five, six in that range. I think there's a decent chance that he ends up being a very serviceable catcher in, in all formats this year. I don't, Maybe not in eight team leagues, but, you know, I think 10 team leagues and beyond by the time it's all said and done. I think Yasmany Grandal has a very good chance of being an eight team or excuse me, a 10 team and beyond catcher. So, Again, he's not somebody I'm adding up right this second, but keep an eye. Keep an eye. See if he moves up that lineup a little bit. You know, you're getting a switch hitter. You get very good on base skills. There's a lot to like, especially if you're in an on-base percentage format, but if you're just in the standard average 5x5 five five league, let's call it a 12-teamer, he's a watch list. He's a borderline add as like a utility kind of guy. Um, you know, Still borderline for sure. Like this could just be one random home run. But I, I came into the year pretty big on Grandal. I think that the White Sox in general are going to be pretty damn good this year. Although I did see their lineup that they set for tonight does not feature Andrew Vaughn. I don't know why they're not starting Andrew Vaughn. They're starting Gavin Sheets at first base instead. I don't know. Maybe there is going to be more of the same bullshit that we were used to for the last couple of seasons. But hopefully we see Grandal able to really flourish, which I think is a possibility, uh, him getting back to what we saw just a year, just a year removed. Adley Rutschman, uh, I mentioned him yesterday. He reached base in all six at-bats, including a home run. I worry that he is going to blow my ranking of him out of the water, which was, I think, the number five catcher. I think I had him at five by the time uh, the final draft rankings were submitted. Way too early to say, but Adley could be the number one catcher in fantasy this year. It's, I mean, I'm a very, very hyperbolic statement for sure after one day, but going five for five, reaching base six times, you know, home run, he had four RBIs, like, I am very, very, very interested in in Adley Rutschman in every format, obviously. But if you're in a dynasty league, man, like he would be the ideal catcher to have. I know it sounds stupid and very obvious, but uh, the road is just so rosy for him. Like Baltimore is kind of at a spot in their development where Toronto was a couple of years ago when their guys were like Toronto circa maybe like 2019, 2020 ish when their guys, their next group of prospects is still just kind of coming up and we haven't even seen how good they can be yet. This team is going to be stupid, stupidly exciting. And I don't think they're going to win. They might bottom out the division. There's a total possibility that Baltimore bottoms out in the American League East, but I think they're still going to be such an exciting team to watch. Adley is definitely the, the prize jewel there in terms of watching for fantasy value. Okay, some people, if Justin Mason's listening, you probably just shut the thing off because I didn't say Cedric Mullins there. If you guys know Justin Mason, you know what I'm talking about. But I think Adley Rutschman is pretty damn up there in terms of the excitement level that fans and fantasy people and baseball people in general have for the Baltimore Orioles. Definitely a huge fan of Adley. I hope he's able to just keep it going and going. Alec Bohm took Jacob deGrom for a ride yesterday. I think it was 385 feet, 103 or 104 miles an hour off the bat. Outside of the whole analytical thing, and I, I might have even mentioned this yesterday. Forgive me if I did mention this yesterday. Everything is kind of a, a, a big blur at this point. In terms of uh, what's happened, what hasn't happened, opening day baseball is just 
there's been a lot going on. Uh, Alec Bohm, you know, I don't want to read too much into it statistically, but mentally that can be something that is a really huge thing for you to start off a season. Taking Jacob DeGrom for a ride on opening day, you'll get, have a little bit extra moxie. I don't know how long it'll last for, but I'm sure Alec Bohm's strutting into the ballpark today, or hell, I don't even know if they play today uh, because of the way that the schedule is so stupidly aligned. I don't think Philadelphia does. No, they don't play today. Taking the <clears throat> taking the wind out of my sails on that one. But next time he shows up at the ballpark, I'm expecting him to strut in there. And I, I don't I don't know. This is not analytical, but I think that there is something between the ears that will be perked up a little bit, saying, I took Jacob DeGrom out on you know opening day here. I think that that'll be something that plays between the ears for him. And I do think that going forward, Alec Bohm, he's got to be a must-roster player in all but the shallowest of formats. He's mostly rostered already, but it's not quite as high as I would have thought. He's 80% rostered on Yahoo!, that's one in five leagues where he is not rostered. Even in a 10-team league, I would argue, he is somebody to take a look at. You know, there's going to be good batting average. Hopefully, we unlock a little more power this year. Maybe get the 20 dingers, a couple of steals, good lineup. <clears throat> Alec Bow makes a lot of sense, especially at a scarce position like third base. And he's first base eligible on Yahoo, too. So, Alec Bow is definitely somebody that I'm pretty interested in. And, you know, I don't think you can get him in many leagues, but there's a few leagues where you'd still be able to probably find him. Might be more shallow, um, but I think 10 and beyond, 10 teams and beyond, Alec Bohm is probably probably going to cut it for you this season. And he, you know, Not even probably. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that statement that he is a 10-team guy and beyond. Travis Darno, this was kind of a big surprise for me yesterday. Uh, I drafted him in a couple of two-catcher leagues where I kind of punted catcher. I went with Darno uh, once or twice. He was four for five, two RBIs, two runs scored. Now, he was in the DH spot, and I'm hoping we get four or five games out of him a week if he's DHing two times, if he's catching three times, or maybe DHing three times. I'm, I'm hoping four times he gets out there for my own selfish purposes, but even for general fantasy purposes. I think he's like a borderline borderline play in, uh, in one-catcher leagues. He's 44% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. I think he's right on that cusp of being somebody that you can use. You know, he doesn't have a second position, so it would just be in the catcher slot or utility where you can put him in there. I think he'll play most of the time. I think that he is ideal in a two-catcher league, and I think he's just on the cusp of a one-catcher league. Like, you would have had to really punt catcher and not take him. I think he was going after pick 200. So that would have been when you were getting him if you just avoided catcher altogether at that point. You know, I'm still I'm still fairly interested in him. Uh, I, I definitely think two catcher leagues like he's he's already going to be rostered in those leagues. He's going to be a mainstay in those leagues. The one catcher leagues is where I, I really have you know a l- little bit more of a difficult time with it. I think in a 15 team one catcher league, yeah, 12 team it's probably a little borderline. But at this point, you know, if he's able to get more regular at bats than I'm expecting and play five times a week, maybe five is pushing it four times a week. I think that we could still see great value out of him. Like, that lineup is still very, very good. He doesn't have to be in a primo batting lineup spot. I think, where was he batting yesterday? Was he seventh? Let me just double-check that real quick. He doesn't need to be right at the top for it to be, you know, advantageous for you to have him on your team as a fantasy manager. He batted eighth. He was actually eighth yesterday. So, not what you want to see. But I think even from that point of view, 15-team, one-catcher leagues, uh, Darno is like a, a back-end uh, kind of option. He's he's not going to thrive, probably, but he should get enough at-bats between DH and catcher where he should be able to give you at least a, uh, an equal return on the investment you put in, which, let's be honest, it wasn't a lot. So I think most of the time he will be willing to 
probably stick him into your lineup, probably use an add on him depending on who you're dropping. And of course, it really depends on the drop. <clears throat> a lot of the time, we'll say add this guy and you need to kind of know who you're dropping. Of course, if you have any specific drop questions, you can reach out to me and I'll do my best to help you out with there. Um, but Travis Darno, uh, he, he's, he's borderline. Uh, you know, I know I've said that a few times, just want to reiterate it as much as I can. Not a must roster, not somebody where you'd see four for five and immediately go and grab him, but keep an eye, and it's mostly to see if he keeps getting DH at bats. If Travis Darno is still sneaking into the lineup as a DH regularly, there will be some value there. Ty France, great value all draft season. He was going fairly late. I had him as a utility spot in a couple of 15-team leagues, which does surprise me that he fell that far. But he did. He's in a great lineup. He's batting third in a great lineup, and he started the year off going three for four with three RBIs and a run. I think that he's going to be great. You know, there's there's not much to say there other than I think that Ty France was severely undervalued all draft season. He had a good year last year. I know he started off very hot and then he kind of fell down to earth a little bit, but he still ended up with 20 homers, 83 RBIs, and a 274 batting average. Very solid season. He's not going to steal for you, but first and third eligibility in the middle of a great lineup. Like I'm, I'm very very invested in Ty France. This is going to sound stupid because he's over 90% rostered, but just comb and see if you're in a shallower league and he is available. If you're in a 10-team league, my home league is a 10-team league. He's not available, but I'm in a couple of home leagues, I should specify. But this one I'm looking at, I mean, just looking at Yahoo's roster percentages at 91, you might think it's it's not even worth checking, but if you're in a bunch of Yahoo leagues, you're in a bunch of 10-teamers, maybe Ty France did not get drafted. There's a chance of it considering what I'm looking at here. And as the number three batter in that lineup, uh, he he is a must-roster player. Like, there's no question about it. Ty France needs to be on a team. Even if he went over 4 yesterday, I would have said the same thing. Uh, he might end up in high later on the show here, but it would have been still my thought process of Ty France in that lineup. There's not much he can really uh, go wrong there with. So go and see if he's available. Probably won't be, but he is somebody uh, where there is definitely a chance Um for even more value than where you drafted him. And I think it's a pretty decent chance considering how deflated uh, the price was. The last note that I had here, and these were sent out earlier today over on Twitter. If you guys are not following, please do go check it out. I'll answer any questions you have, any comments, whatever it is. Uh, but it was just to say the Blue Jays lineup is going to be a joy to watch this year. As a Jays fan, as a fantasy manager, as a baseball fan in general, the Jays are going to be super exciting to watch. We saw it yesterday. Like, they were just... They were amazing to watch. George Springer was amazing. Boba Shett was amazing as well. We got three hits from Matt Chapman. 19 hits out of the Blue Jays. 10 RBIs. No home runs. Kind of surprising that there were no home runs. But we'll take it. The home runs will come. They're getting the ball in play, which is what we want to see. 19 hits is obviously amazing. Springer, five hits and four runs. He is the first player in American League history to record five hits and four runs scored on opening day. Going back to Adley Rutschman, who we talked about earlier, First catcher to have five hits and reach base six times on opening day since at least 1901. Really cool stuff. It was a very cool opening day. But my Blue Jays, man, I hope you have a share of the Blue Jays. And if you don't, then try and see if you can maybe get your hands on Whit Merrifield. I don't know if you will be able to, but that's kind of like one of the few pieces on the team where you might be able to get a share. Maybe Brandon Belt, too. Let's take a look at Brandon Belt's roster percentage. Um, Brandon Belt, only 8% on Yahoo. Wow, I think he'll be in the lineup pretty regularly for 8%. That's really, like, I don't know if I'd be running to add him, but definitely watch list Brandon Belt. He is somebody where even if you just, I mean, you can make the argument that he should be added up, honestly. I know he didn't have a great year last year, but in this lineup, batting in the middle of this lineup, 
he's interesting. Like he is, he's definitely interesting. He didn't have a great day yesterday. Yeah, I mean, one for four, two strikeouts. Watch him. You gotta, you gotta keep an eye on Brandon Belt. If he is playing every day, like you know, we did a couple of Blue Jays semi previews. We did one with Show Ali and one with Keegan Matheson. You know, I think he's gonna play most of the time, based on what I heard from those guys, based on what I'm seeing myself. Maybe four or five days a week. At that point, daily changes. Yahoo leagues are mostly daily changes. I think he's a very solid piece to have on the bench. You plug him in there against right-handed pitching, and it could be it could be very nice. Batting behind Kirk and Varsho and Guerrero and Bichette and Springer. Definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on there. Brandon Belt might not be amazing, uh, but in that lineup, he could be he could be a nice little fantasy asset. Going to go through a couple of the weekend streaming options here before I let you guys go. Already mentioned Peterson tonight and Tyler McGill tomorrow. Definitely be taking a look and seeing. Even if it's after today, I think David Peterson will have a good start. Even if he doesn't, even if it's just kind of mediocre or whatever, go and add him. He is somebody where the strikeouts and the wins are going to be there. It might not even just be a streaming purpose. He is closer to like a, a must-add than a streamer at this point. Take a look at Peterson and take a look at McGill. Take a look at Justin Steele as well. He's going to be going up against the Brewers at home here. It'll be his quote-unquote opening day for him. I like Justin Steele quite a bit last season. He gave us a 3.18 ERA, good strikeouts. Not a lot of win upside, but I do like him as a streamer here if you are going for it, uh, if you are going to stream. Because I think for the most part, you know, you don't necessarily have to stream in week one. You can just see how things play out with your roster. But there are people in my league who are dropping and trading and whatnot before the season even started. You best believe there's going to be some streamers. If you are somebody looking to stream, Justin Steele, Good home matchup tomorrow against the Brewers team where I don't think that they are particularly strong in any regard offensively. Uh, so Justin Steele is an option there. Spencer Turnbull is a deeper league option. I think in a 15-teamer, I would take a look at him. I'm very, very interested in what he can do this season. I don't. I wouldn't add him in 10s and 12-team leagues. This is more of a deeper league. I'm thinking 15-team, uh, probably deeper rosters where you would be adding Spencer Turnbull up. But I think that, you know, we still need to see exactly what can happen with him because he's missed all of last year. But coming back from Tommy John surgery, usually there's a bit of a buffer where you can just go out there and you can kind of get the rubber arm. You can just throw a ton. And I'm hoping that we can see that from Turnbull this year. A healthy season where he's kind of replicating roughly what he did a couple of years ago. I think there could be some magic there with him this season. He's one of my most rostered players. One of my six most rostered players in all of fantasy baseball this year is Spencer Turnbull. I didn't start him in my weekly NFBC league because I had too many guys that I was already starting um, in the – actually, no, there's two NFBC leagues where I have him. I didn't start him in either one, and there's just it was too deep because a weekly league, uh, it, it, there was just too many guys going, and there's only nine pitcher slots. Daily changes, though, uh, that's what most Yahoo leagues are, ESPN. Most fantasy is daily changes. Uh, I think that there is potential for him as a deeper league guy. Uh, don't take that as, you know, Adam in 12s, but deeper leagues, uh, he is somebody where you can be – Fairly, fairly interested. And that, you know, I say that kind of cautiously because he didn't pitch at all last year. We don't really know exactly how good he's going to be, but somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Another guy to keep an eye on is Clark Schmidt. He is going to be going up tomorrow uh, against San Francisco. And I think I might have, did I bounce around a day here? Uh, no, I didn't actually. For a second, I thought I, I jumped ahead uh, a day, but I didn't. It is Clark Schmidt tomorrow for the New York Yankees against the Giants. Uh, Clark Schmidt's been getting a lot of love this offseason from the higher stakes community. And even up on Yahoo, he's up to 50% rostered. Decent strikeouts. You know, he worked on some things in spring training. I'm not fully sold on him. I don't know that he is going to be, like, a great ad. I think he is still closer to, I guess, somewhere between, like, a 12 and a 15 team league streamer. 
he's not somebody that I'm like overly excited about necessarily, but a lot of people who are smarter than me in this community are very interested in Clark Schmidt. So just somebody I wanted to mention as someone who could potentially have some streaming value for you tomorrow. That's pretty much it for tomorrow's streamers. Uh, just seeing if there's anybody that I may have missed here, but I, I don't think so. That's going to be pretty much it for tomorrow. The day after, if you're looking at Sunday, Jared Schuster going into Washington against Mackenzie, Cor- Mackenzie Gore and the Nationals. Now, I, I'm not huge on Jared Schuster. I think that he is going to be pretty decent. I, you know, the prospect pedigree is not like the highest necessarily. He was pretty good. Not a massive strikeout guy, and he did struggle, you know, at times in the minor league. So, another option to highlight for Sunday, but not my favorite. Uh, Ross Stripling is also an option on Sunday. A little bit risky for sure against the Yankees. Let me take a look and see how rostered he is right now. Fifty-four percent rostered over in Yahoo leagues. A little bit risky, uh, but another guy to keep an eye on. And then Graham Ashcraft. Uh, I'm I'm not really too sure about how good Graham Ashcraft is going to be yet, but he had 10 strikeouts the other day uh, against the Padres in spring training. I think that he is worth a shot, and I think that the matchup is going to be fairly worth it as well against Pittsburgh. I know it's at home, but if you are going to be a believer in Graham Ashcraft this season, then you're going to have to trust him at home. And he's up to 58% on Yahoo. People are fairly invested in him because of his strong spring. If you're going to believe in him, you're going to have to believe in him at home as well as on the road, which goes for all Cincinnati pitchers. I understand if you want to stay away entirely at Cincinnati, guy who's still pretty unproven, uh, but take a look at Graham Ashcraft if you're looking to add some some Ks and maybe a potential for a win on Sunday because even though they're a shit, piss-poor team, uh, they're playing a team that's you know probably even worse in the Pirates, arguably even worse in the Pirates on Sunday. So those are my streamers. Those are my notes. Those are my takeaways from opening day. Guys, I really appreciate you hanging out here. We're in for a long year. We are in for a lot of fun. There should be countless topics to go over throughout the entire season, whether it is big names to pick up, guys to be dropping, injuries, all the different craziness that goes with fantasy baseball. We'll have you covered here. And I hope you guys hit the subscribe slash download button and let us know what you're thinking if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews. We'll be back on Monday. We're still working on guests for next week. Don't want to say any particular names yet because we're still finalizing, but should have a couple of cool guests over on the show next week. Make sure you're checking that out. But until then, have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy the baseball because it'll be all baseball all weekend for me. I hope it will be for you guys as well. And until Monday, I hope you guys take care and cheers. Cheers.